In the Bandelier National Monument of northern New Mexico, ecologist Paul Arbatan leads a group of college students through the mixed conifer forest that covers the hillsides. And everybody's kind of uh, got your writing done. We'll head up to a, to be a nice little spot up here. We could stop and have some lunch. If you haven't already eaten all your food, but we'll just <laughs> This area was hit hard by the Las Conchas fire, which swept through the region in the summer of 2011. Most tree trunks are completely charred and black soot rubs easily off what little bark remains. Paul explains that, though this scene looks bleak, natural disturbances such as fire help new seeds get established. He describes how this ecosystem will progress from here. The initial plants, the pioneer plants, or weedy species, grow for a while, but eventually they change that environment. They stabilize the soils. They put them in a little more shade, make them a little cooler. They change it somehow so that other native species can get established. They're there for a while. They do the same thing. They alter their environment so much that they can't survive there anymore. The process these grasses illustrate is nearly as old as the earth itself. 3.5 billion years ago, cyanobacteria metabolized the gases in Earth's early atmosphere, expelling oxygen as a waste product. Over time, they used up the gases they needed to live, slowly replacing them with oxygen. This process continued until they had changed the composition of the atmosphere so drastically they could no longer survive. The human beings that now thrive in this oxygen-rich environment are uniquely fortunate to have DNA that codes for both opposable thumbs and brains capable of complex problem solving. DNA is amazing. You have this planet that has DNA on it and it tries to fill all the spots it can strip electrons from somewhere. It takes whatever it had and makes it into something that can harvest energy. And we have done just that. We have used our opposable thumbs and sophisticated brains to harness a massive amount of energy from the environment burning fossil fuels for our benefit. We have done what any organism would do in our place if it could. But as John Tyndall discovered in the 1800s, the carbon dioxide gas these fuels release when burned is one of the best absorbers of heat in the atmosphere. Today, as global population and the average quality of life increases, ever more carbon dioxide is being pumped into the atmosphere, trapping ever more heat close to the Earth's surface. Could this warming mean that human beings are destined to suffer the same fate as cyanobacteria or the pioneer grasses that Paul described? In some ways, it seems like we might be. After all, most people know the predicted consequences of this warming. At least as far as we know, cyanobacteria and pioneer grass species remain blissfully unaware of the ways they contributed to their own demise. But the blessing and curse of human consciousness is that it enables us to predict, and possibly to prevent, the most dramatic effects of global climate change. So, how do we do that? Auden Schendler, the Vice President of Sustainability at Aspen Skiing Company, has a plan. And now, I think you need to get a six-pack of beer, uh, and you sit down, and if you don't drink beer, it can be chai. Uh, <laughs> And you say, you sit down and you say, what is my biggest lever? What is it? And you think about that a long time, like a year. Auden's approach to addressing climate change is not prescriptive. It doesn't provide people with a set of guidelines to follow, leaving them feeling guilty or disempowered if they are unable to do so. Instead, he invites everyone to look at the unique circumstances of their own lives 
and identify the most powerful tool they can use in the fight against climate change. The answers you will come to will be varied, but a lot of it has to do with being a civic actor and engaging in society. But he warns that individual action alone is insufficient and too often can become an excuse for complacency. I feel like a lot of people get to this place of despair and then they say, well, I'm living my life right. I'm done. No, you're not done. That's what you should do as a citizen of the world. Now, what are you going to do beyond that? What does Auden do beyond that? He leverages Aspen's worldwide fame to create partnerships with America's $650 billion outdoor industry and Aspen's wealthy clients to drive corporate and legislative policy change. He acknowledges that formidable obstacles stand in the way of taking large-scale action to minimize the effects of climate change. One of these obstacles arises from a simple lack of exposure to the problem. So, what was my mistake? I assumed that everyone understood how bad the climate problem was, how inadequate our solutions were. But why should I assume that? The IT guy spent his life doing IT. The HR person is an HR specialist. The CEO is a business guy. But he worries that one of the reasons more people do not take a stronger stand has its roots in the basic human need for social acceptance. If I take an average person and I give them two choices, here are your two choices. On one hand, you can save the world by working aggressively on climate change. And on the other, hey, if you do this, you're gonna have a really awkward and unpleasant encounter in the supermarket with a friend of yours in the neighborhood who doesn't agree with you in the ice cream aisle. What a shame it would be if human brain power remains stuck. Stuck on self-conscious worries rather than working to find creative ways to engage with the climate problem. Stuck grabbing tubs of ice cream from aisle five without confrontation instead of using these dexterous digits to shape climate solutions. Stuck following in the footsteps of cyanobacteria or pioneer grasses when we have the ability to construct and operate levers that could change the direction we are headed. There are no great people. There are only great issues. In history, people have become great not because of who they were, but because of what they grappled with. For National Public Lands Radio, I'm Libby Phones.